I'm turning on the grill. Beep, boop. That's not the sound the grill makes. Hey there, bun buddies, and welcome to License to Grill, a Bob's Burgers podcast brought to you by the Ultimate Tabletop Network. I'm your host, Zalza Zane, and with me is my partner and webmistress, Kim. This week, we'll be discussing Season 1, Episode 10, Burger Wars, enjoying a delicious hit-me-with-your-best-shallots burger and testing our knowledge with trivia. So why don't we get on with the show? Burger War aired on April 10th, 2011, with a average IMDb rating of 7.7. That seems to be the Bob's Burgers regular. I feel like this is still the era of Nielsen family ratings and not votes by people who actually watched it and enjoyed the show. It was written by Lauren Bouchard, who of course is the creator of the show. Who we're waiting for some mail from. (laughs) It better be posted. This is apparently the last episode that he writes by himself until season three. Oh. Fun trivia fact. It was directed by Boo Wan Lim and notably this episode has no first appearances. None. Nada. Really? Yep. Well, I guess this is the first appearance of Mr. Fish Odor's white eye patch. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. No one does the voice of the eye patch, though. So. But they should, honestly. What would an eye patch say? I, I, I. I thought you were going to go pirate, but you went totally the other way. Here is the synopsis. When Bob's eccentric landlord, Mr. Fish Order, visits the family, he tells Bob that his rival across the street, Jimmy Pesto of Jimmy Pesto's Pizzeria, wants to take over Bob's lease so that he can expand his gift shop. With little time and not enough money, the Belcher must cook up some business to save the restaurant. To save the restaurant? So the opening gags. The store next door is the Rocky Refuge Raccoon Sanctuary. Sanctuary! Sanctuary! Which comes up later in the episode, too. It's actually one of the only times that the opening gag is mentioned directly in the episode. Yep. And, of course, the saga continues. Van Watch. It is, of course, Rats All, folks. And I'm not going to scream because I got tired of doing that. You've gone past excitement to please change the gag. Yep. Also, I think we're not getting emails because I was screaming. Yeah, that's the only reason we're not getting emails. Yep. Okay, cool. Also, while we have a second, did we get any emails from our musically inclined friends? Why would we do that? Because we talked about it on this episode. Uh, never mind. <laughs> Did we talk about it on... I thought on it was last episode. Our musically inclined friend definitely mentioned that he was behind on the podcast because he's been obsessively watching Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Shouldn't he be watching Bob's Burgers with the podcast? Listen, he's on season five. Like, once you get started, what? you can't stop. It's like They're like Lay's potato chips. There you go, Lauren Burchard. That's at least one more viewer who's blasting through your episode and really keeping it on Disney+. Plus. Right, make sure you get the right streaming service. Yep. We open up on the restaurant. Inside the restaurant, to be exact, and everyone seems to be fussing around. In fact, one of the things that I noticed almost immediately in this scene was that there was a vase or vase of flowers. Ooh, fresh-cut flowers. <laughs> Obviously, they're trying to make the restaurant look as presentable as possible for Mr. Fish Odor's arrival. So Mr. Fish Odor is coming and there's fresh flowers? The general conversation right at the beginning is that Mr. F- Fish Odor is arriving because it is time to renew their lease. Bob mentioned something about we rarely pay our rent on time and Linda replies, we never pay our rent on time, which I thought was great. Oh yeah, Linda blowing up his spot. Blowing it right up. I can relate to that. You were the noisiest burger dog today. Well, the dog is very noisy right now, fellas and ladies and non-binary folks. Friends and enemies. Speaking of enemies, Mr. Fish Odor is described as being eccentric, that he wears a white suit with a cape. I'm surprised they didn't mention his cape. He has like that little capelet off his shoulders. Uh, that he drives a... 
golf cart. And then he has an eye patch, which we already mentioned. But the quote that Louise says is that he's one cat away from being a supervillain. I got a question for you. Uh-huh. Do you have to be rich to be eccentric? Yes. Otherwise, you're crazy. That's what I have in my notes. Also, you told me all the answers. What if that's a trivia question later? It is a trivia question, but we already did the trivia first because we recorded so that way you can't cheat. Oh. Although, maybe we should let you cheat. At this point, maybe we should let you. I'm catching up. Uh-huh. Great. Bob has specifically told the kids to not pay attention to Mr. Fish order because they didn't want it to be weird. Yeah, he does have so many things about him that would draw children's eyes. Yeah, but also, like, isn't it like usually when you're like, kids don't touch that, what do the kids want to do? Or kids don't look at that lady's fat ass. What are the kids going to do? They're going to look at the ass. They're going to ogle. They're going to ogle. They're going to they're gonna stare at that badonk donk They're going like... to develop a fetish. <laughs> Oh, wow. Is that what happened to you? Wink. So he tells them not to be weird, which to me always makes people act weird, whether on purpose or not, you know? Yeah. It's that you've brought it to the subconscious. Don't pay attention to the elephant in the room. Cool, bro. All I can see is the elephant now. It's that whole thing where people talk about lice and everyone's heads get itchy. Oh, God, don't. Don't do that to me, please. I'm wearing headphones. It'll be very hard to itch. So Bob definitely mentions that he's a weirdo. Don't look at him and don't make him mad because he owns basically the entire town. Yeah, he owns the, we say the amusement park and something else and then they mention and then like literally every other building yeah he pretty much owns this sector it's like uh like louis de pont royal was trying to do with um new orleans in interview with a vampire but then because he was black and everyone was racist he couldn't uh-huh what's his name again louis de pont royal louis de pont pondman louis Rui? dewey <laughs> huey dewey yep is his dad's Lou. name Donald? Papa Lou. Papa Lou. Go watch Interview with a Vampire. It's good. <laughs> oh my god. There's so many eccentric people in that. Oh, you're so silly that you think that that's... It's Louis DuPont. DuPont. Louis DuPont. I thought he had a last name. That is his last name. Louis McGoogle. Louis McGoogle. Google in the show. Google in all the shows all day long. Louis DuPont Duloc. He have... had a last name. You're a Duloc. Yep, what I was wrong with, with to Royal. It? Deluxe. Louis the Point Deluxe. Dulac. It's D-U-L-A-C, right? Yeah, but Louis de Pont Royal was very wrong. Yeah, it was. But he's got a last name. Yeah, Dulac. Yeah. Dulac is of Lake. Oh, Deluxe is better. It's <laughs> back on tracks. Unless you want a, a Louis Royal with cheese. Ooh, yeah. That's, that's Louis what with the side of onion rings. What's the other guy's name? Uh, Lestat du Lyoncourt. Lestat du Lyoncourt wants a Louis Pont Deluxe with cheese. I mean, yeah, he nom-noms on that all the time. Oh, he yeah. He nom-noms on those buns all the time. Ooh, obviously they are bun buddies. <laughs> well, okay, anyways, we've like, again... The train has done like a full. So Mr. Fishoder owns all the buildings. Seven twenty, two full. What's like a cool skateboard move? Uh, seven twenty kickflip McTwist. Uh, uh, a grind. A wedgie deluxe. A nine twenty wedgie royale. <laughs> nine twenty sack tap deluxe. <laughs> So anyways, yeah, Mr. Fishoder literally owns everything, uh, not only on Ocean Drive, but in town. Pretty much. Of course, once Mr. Fishoder makes his grand entrance, the kids all are looking away and whistling and cleaning things and just generally pretending like he's not there. Of course, Mr. Fishoder says, Bob, Linda, your children are refusing to acknowledge me. Yeah, he seems like the kind of guy who needs to be acknowledged too. That's why he does half the things other than I'm rich and I can. Yeah, 100%. 100%. No one wears a capelet not wanting attention unless he's trying to make a fashion statement what's the fashion statement 
Capes are back, baby! Well, I mean, the fashion statement is pay attention to me, which is exactly my point. Bob tells the kids to acknowledge Mr. Fish Odor, and immediately two of the my favorite questions come up. Gene asks them, are you a superhero? And Tina asks, can I touch your hair? You know, he could be a superhero. There's a group in Toronto that are the real-life superheroes, who a thousand percent dress up, wear masks, and go around doing good deeds for the neighborhood in Toronto. I mean, Seattle as well. That might be what I'm thinking of. And it's very cool, because they they're mostly like helping out homeless people or helping people get home and generally patrolling their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And it got wildly popular enough that it ended up in the news and I have the newspapers for it because it was very cool. That is very cool. Are we going to get through this episode? No. Okay, great. This might be our first two-parter. Uh, I'm not doing two parts for this. So everybody wants to touch Mr. Fishoder's hair. No, just Tina. Hmm. Just Tina. Bob offers food to Mr. Fishoder, offers to have him taste a hamburger. And Mr. Fishoder, of course, says, well, no, I make it a point not to eat in any of my restaurants. Except for douchey sushi. Because there's starfish melts in your mouth. I've never had starfish. I also have not. But I also am not an adventurous eater. That's fair. I definitely would not eat starfish if I knew what it was. I think, it seems gross. I might try it. Skimmy California rolls and teriyaki chicken. That's yeah, all I want. Yeah, you eat white girl sushi like I do. White girl sushi! It's like California rolls and chicken teriyaki are like the pumpkin spice latte of Starbucks. I mean, no shame. It's all delicious, but... I mean, I'm not advertising that I'm a sushi master over here. <laughs> You're not a, a douchey sushi master? Sure not. Though if I owned a city that had restaurants, I would definitely go to each restaurant on a different day and get free meals. Like, I would never pay for a meal again. I would just show up, be like, show me what you've got. I mean, that's the benefit of being rich. Never having to pay for anything. Yeah. You, if you're famous and you go to an award show, do you know, like, the kind of crap that they get in their gift bags? I assume, like, phones and cars and stuff. Tablets and trips and thousand dollars worth of, like, spa treatments and stuff like that. Clearly, I'm in the wrong business. Of not being famous. Yep. That's good. Lauren Bouchard, make me famous. <laughs> Mr. Fishoder makes a comment about how quiet it is at lunchtime, and Bob calls it the lunch lull. You know, it's 12.30, it's the lunch, the lunch lull. And Tina blows up his spot by pointing out that... Jimmy's lunch lull is really busy? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty great. Jimmy Pesto's a pizza place, if you're into that kind of thing, and everyone starts screaming about how good pizza is, and this is one of the places where I really relate to the show. Side note, there is seven pizza places on a two-block radius from us, and an eighth being built right now. That's amazing. Are you looking up these stats? No, this is from Dog Walks. Oh, <laughs> okay, good. Burger Dog likes pointing out pizza places, especially because one of them has a water bowl in front of it. And we always stop there. That's true. That is true. They're a nice pizza place. Mm -hmm. Mr. Fishoder talks about Bob's mustache and that he enjoys it. He actually calls it fascinating and then reaches out and starts stroking it. He kind of asks first. Uh, may I? Uh, yeah, uh, he, says, anyway. he says, may I, as he is reaching and starts doing it. Yeah. It's what? like the, can I eat your fries as I'm shoving six of them in my mouth. You never ask. You just do. <laughs> it's true. I don't ask. What did Jimmy Pesto call Bob's mustache? I want to say like rugged and filthy. <laughs> So Mr. Fishoder mentions to Bob that Jimmy Pesto wants to turn Bob's Burgers into a gift shop, that he has tendered an offer, which I like. I just like that. It sounds very eloquent. It sounds very riche. Why would a pizza place have a gift shop? Well, I mean, it's not just a pizza place. It's a like a Italian pasta. It's like a Boston pizza. Yeah, but even Boston pizza doesn't need a gift shop. It's just like, hey, we think, got some shirts. You don't think Boston pizza has t-shirts? Yeah, shirts are one thing, but a cold gift shop? That well, is too much. What is he going to have in there? He's going to have... Uh... 
god dang Jimmy Pesto Pizza bobbleheads. Yeah, that's not a stretch. I mean, if they were bobbleheads, I'd be okay with that. Key change little pizza slices, maybe? I mean, let's be real. The reason that he wants the shop is not because of the gift shop. Is he just wants to really aggravate Bob. To be real, I don't even think he wants Mr. Fish Odor to end Bob's lease. Because he needs Bob there. Does he? Yeah, because they're rivals. Linda gets to this a little bit later when she talks about how they stalk each other. So I don't want to get into it too much. But they definitely have like this weird symbiotic relationship. You know, the mutual hate kind of fuels and feeds them. What's Jimmy's sidekick's name? I want to say Todd, but it's not Todd. Trev. Trev. Mr. Kaboom. Yeah, exactly. If Bob didn't exist, he wouldn't have those opportunities to diss Bob and Trev, like, super throw him up. His whole identity is to be the anti-Bob. Do you think he knows that? Or is he is he trying to win so badly that he doesn't realize what he'll have when he has it? Um, I definitely think that's part of it. I feel like that's part of it. (laughs) Gene says that the store would be an amazing gift shop and that he can do all of his Christmas shopping there. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I really like. Fish Odor mentions that Bob always pays late and Jimmy always pays early. Yeah, with a lunch lull that busy, I mean, you can afford to pay early. I wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy Pesto's just like, oh, there's enough money for the rent. There you go. Yeah, I mean, probably. There's more that I want to talk about, about sort of like the Bob versus Jimmy thing, like later in the episode, specifically around fast made food versus like a mom and pop type restaurant. Bob encourages Mr. Fish Odor to taste the burger. He takes a bite and begins to choke. But really, if you watch very closely he chokes because bob pats him on the back pats Um, that burger down the wrong tube (laughs) do you remember what the advice was that they gave them about how to do the heimlich i remember punch him in the crotch a lot hit him in the crotch yeah louis says push him on the belly and then tina offers to hold his hair she wants (laughs) to touch it right yep coming back to the hair touch it oh that's good right yep and they do basically like a group hug slash group heimlich which i think is really fun family coming together doing a thing together yep so now we reach the plot of the episode which is the rent is due by friday otherwise he's giving it to pesto gene is holding the hopped up piece of hamburger and asks him if he wants this to go and then one of the girls mentions you you're gonna want fries with that and there's like this dramatic sound and then like these zoom-ins with each question which i found very delightful and then after that he makes his exit do you think he's gonna have to go to the gym after that he did say earlier on that he's gonna take one bite of burger and have to go back to the gym he doesn't go to the gym he's got people to do that for him Move into the next day or the next morning, or maybe later that day, Teddy and Mort being present. Mort reads Bob for filth. He goes, pay your rent in full. What's next? Pay your other bills? And I was like, wow. So much sass from these guys. Yeah. And then they mention that Pesto is not his real name. Do you remember what it is? Jimmy Poplopovich. Poplopovich. I don't think he's ever been to Italy. Probably not. And Bob calls him a complete phony. This is where Linda starts talking about the obsession, right? She says that they're obsessed with each other. Bob sort of dismisses it. And she goes, no, you're stalking each other. And you see sort of like these quick cuts of them (laughs) watching each other from across the street. They have binoculars and they're hiding under the counter and like behind stuff. At one point, Jimmy is staring at Bob through like a cascade of noodles. (laughs) That was so good. I laughed really hard about that one. Yeah. 
And then in that moment, we also see a poster for probably one of the cleverest puns, which is the gnocchi Italian karaoke. I really like that. Or gnocchi. Gnocchi-oki karaoke. Italian karaoke. Yeah, but the problem with Italian karaoke is that it's very silent. And people just going like this with their hands. Italians, if we're going to go by Italian stereotypes, by the way you were gesturing with your hands, I just want to make sure that the listeners uh, know that since we don't have creeps. Italians are very loud by that stereotype. They talk a lot. And like this. So it'll be so loud that they can hear it and see it. And to be fair, they wouldn't even be going to karaoke because they're too busy being gangsters. I'm playing into your dumb stereotype. Okay, anyways, let's move on. Trying to take over Mr. Fish Order's space block by block. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Oh, yeah. You know what? I think we need some mafia in uh, Bob's Burgers. Kind of like... Um... We already got some one-eyed snakes. Yeah, well, those aren't mafias. They're a gang. Mafia is different. But then it'd be a very cool dynamic. Having the mafia versus the biker gangs versus Mr. Fish Order. That's what I'm saying. We need a, we need a mafia. Mm-hmm. We need a Tony. Tony. Fat Tony. Fat Tony. Yeah, we need a Fat Tony. Or, uh, like from Futurama, we need the guy with uh, his sidekick clamps. Joey Mousepad. <laughs> Joey Mousepad. Right? I mean, that yep. would be, that would be fun. But anyways. And the Don Bot. <laughs> Don Bot. Linda tells Bob that he needs to grow up for the kid's sake. Bob laments of why Tina has to like Jimmy Pesto. Of all the 13-year-old boys in the world. <laughs> And Linda says the great line. She goes, yeah, she likes them too. Yeah. <laughs> it plays into like, you know, the, the teenage horniness that is Tina Belcher. Yeah, the sex pest. The sex pest. And then Linda continues by saying that it's kind of romantic that there are two families at war. Like West Side Story. <laughs> da-dun, da-dun. da-dun, rumble. Well, fun fact, West Side Story was the inspiration for Romeo and Juliet. Pause for laughter. Pause for crickets. Well, that's the end of the episode. Uh, stay tuned for part two. No! I love Bob's unhinged screams. After the spying part when he's just standing at night in, in the window and watching Jimmy sing karaoke and just like shrieking incoherently. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's just his eyes just go uncrossed and his mouth's wide again he's like Aah! i love it mm -hmm. so good you should cut it and put that with the part where we talked about the stalking yep <laughs> uh linda mentions that louise is also friends with the twins andy and ollie friends is a pretty strong word but they definitely do spend a lot of time together at one point uh, louise was their boss taskmaster Taskmaster is good. Yeah. <laughs> and Bob deems that there needs to be a ban on the pesto children. Big reveal. Andy and Ollie are pesto's kids. Oh, yeah. I guess that's the first time it's revealed. I know we did talk about it on their introductory episode. But, yeah, it's not revealed that they're Poplofoviches until this episode. As Trev might say, kaboom. <laughs> Kaboom. Speaking of Andy and Ollie, we see them sitting in the Wagstaff cafeteria telling Louise and Jean that they should cut their hands and press them together and become blood brothers. Jean is very enthusiastic and tries to cut himself open with a knife. That's plastic. Incor incorrect. Plastic knife. It's a plastic spoon. He tries to cut his hand with a plastic spoon. And then the brothers mention that they should be spit brothers instead and they spit in their hands and shake and then Jean says, let's do both. Blood brothers was a thing I heard about in elementary school 
school, but I don't think anybody ever actually did it. That would be dangerous. And also they would a thousand percent get caught with blood on their hands. Literally get uh, caught red handed. Oh, kaboom. Louise says that she's saving her spit and blood for her honeymoon, which I thought was cute. And then Ollie and Andy get real weird. Let's rub our eyes together. You can get my pink eye. I don't think either of them actually had pink eye. At least not visually. At least not, which is good because it's real nasty. Um, And then they just start slamming their heads against each other for a few moments saying, ow. I'm just going to say this right now. I love Andy and Ollie. I find them so freaking adorable because they are so weird. It's like the same reason I like Jean. They're just like unhinged. We sort of pan from the cafeteria table to Jimmy, who is slow dancing with himself, uh, which Louise notes as he knows he's supposed to be doing that with other people, right? Feels like Jimmy thinks slow dancing is just regular dancing, but super slow. Yeah. Also, he's got some huge headphones. The biggest headphones. Those are like listening to records on an old vinyl player headphones. He probably stole them from his dad. And he has it plugged into what, like a tape player? Cord looks like it's just going into his vest and disappearing. <laughs> so maybe he's not even... You know what would be wild? If he wasn't even listening to music. <laughs> just standing there just like feeling himself. Oof. Any excuse, right? Any excuse. Tina's watching him and she's actually crawling across one of the cafeteria tables, like desperately trying to inch closer and closer to him to the point where she falls off. Uh, That's kind of sad. It is, yeah. Tina deserves some love. There's a lot of like conversations about who Tina should like on Bob's Burgers uh, Facebook groups. Oh yeah? What's the <clears throat> overall consensus? People think that Tina should date Zeke. Really? Yep. They did have some good chemistry in the latest episode. In the Yeah, in one of the new the newest newest episodes the dancing with stars episode yeah don't watch that though just listen to this podcast yeah wait for us to get there wait for us to get there in 45 years please <laughs> louise makes us like a, a a sad sound about her sister like a sad comment about you know she's just trying to do anything to get us to, oh she kissed him and he won't even give her any attention and Jean says she should try pigs in a blanket always gets my attention pigs in a blanket are delicious uh yeah little hot dogs wrapped up in a croissant mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Or uh, I guess like a, I mean, they're pretty much croissants. Like those hot dog things that we make with cheese in it. Yeah. They're big. They're big pigs in a blanket. Big hogs in a blanket. <laughs> I was going to say, they're hogs in a duvet. <laughs> <laughs> hogs in a sleeping bag. Hogs in a sleeping bag. That's very, very good. Especially the way that you said it. We leave the school, go back to the restaurant. Bob is standing behind the counter. And across the street, we see two of the pesto pizzerias staff members on top of ladders. And you know that because they're wearing green shirts. And they're putting up a sign. You know they're on ladders because they're wearing green shirts? No, that they work for Jimmy because they're wearing green shirts. Oh. <laughs> Yes, you're only, the only, it, it's a superstition, right? You have to wear a green shirt if you want to go up a, up a ladder and not fall over. Nailed it. Nailed it. The sign says, now serving burgers. Best still burgers on the block. Pick a lane, Jimmy. God. Right? But again, if he's like one of those Boston Pizza, Red Robin, what is an American version? Oh, American has both of those, Red Robins, Boston Pizza. Earl's. No, Earl's is like fancier. Jimmy Jr.'s, Carl's Jr.'s. Jimmy <laughs> Jr. doesn't have. He will. I don't think so. I think he's very anti-restaurant. He busboys, but he's a busboy because he has to be. Ah, uh, fair. He's not as much of a capitalist as Louise is. Yeah, he's definitely not. Bob is extremely upset, understandably. He's already having a hard enough time with his business. He doesn't need someone also making hamburgers. Bob makes plenty of hamburgers for people not to eat. Hmm. Uh, so he goes, that's it. Time for a showdown. And uh, behind him, Linda pushes up her sleeves and starts snapping. We're going to a rumble. And then he's like, I'm going to confront him. And 
she chimes in, gonna confront him. And he's like, I'm gonna hit him in his face. Poor Linda shoots herself in the foot. Yeah, right in his handsome face. Oh. You think he's handsome? And then Tina chimes in, God, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, if she likes the son, there's got to be some sort of physical relation to the dad, right? They have the same chin. They do have the same chin. <laughs> Linda says, no, I'm saying it with anger. He's so handsome, you want to punch him. He looks like Tom Selleck. But the reality is he does not. He doesn't look anything really like Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck is, was notoriously known for having a mustache. Yeah. That was his whole deal. Even when he reappeared, because he was in Magnum, Magnum P.I. for like a million years, and then he was in some, some cop show, and then when they brought him to Friends, he still had that mustache. He shaved it off in the later seasons of Friends. Yeah, he shaved it off for like some reason in the show or whatever, but he did not look like Tom Selleck when he didn't have the mustache. You know, I bet it's the hair. It's big and thick, and I think if Jim Pesto had a mustache, Linda would just melt. Ooh. She's a bit of a folliculophiliac. Is that what someone who likes mustaches is called? Uh, yeah, mustache fetishist. So is the Belcher family the Sharks or the Jets in this rumble? Because I have no idea what happens in West Side Story. I've been like a million years since I've seen it. I'm going to say <clears throat> Sharks. I'm going to say the Belchers are Sharks because I like Sharks. Yep. But my guess would be that the Sharks are probably the bad team. Although if you're going to have a show like a movie or a musical with Sharks versus Jets, like are you talking about Jet Planes? Jet of Water? Jet? Is a Jet? Is there a bird that's like a Jet? Because let's be real. Burger? I mean, uh, Shark versus Jet Plane. Shark loses. Yeah, but I think the unity of being Sharks is that if everyone dresses up as a different Shark, they're still Sharks. But if everyone dresses up as a different jet, they're going to have a problem. Hear me out. Shark versus Joan Jet. Ooh. I think they would get along, though. She'd probably ride the shark. Yeah. All right. Shark versus jet of water. Shark would win. Shark lives in water. Yep. Shark would just, like, <laughs> breathe that water right and proper. And yeah, just strum it right through its gills. Yep. What if they're kind of jets over there? Yep. Good. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. I think he covered it. Do you remember what Linda wants to do with Tom Selleck? Yes. When she dies, she wants to be cremated and she wants the family to throw her ashes in Tom Selleck's face. I mean, I get it. In my case, dust weird owl with my body sand. <laughs> I want my dead cadaver to be in a, a morgue in some sort of television show. I know they make prop ones, but I would like to make it very clear that like, I want to, I want like the chest open. I want all of my guts being on. Sh like I want to be like in a, a movie. House? Or a haunted house? N no. Okay. Some people will get all up in my business. I just want to be a cold dead body in the background of like a CSI type of show. I just, I want to be in television. And if that's the way that it has to happen, I'm okay with that. Gotcha. So Pesto's is packed as they're crossing the street. Linda has never seen a restaurant so full in her life. <laughs> it's so rude. The kids inside the restaurant are watching. They eventually all start trailing out. I think it's Louise and then Jean. And then lastly, it's Tina. And she says, restaurant, we both know you can handle this and then leaves and tells the restaurant that she loves it oh yeah my brothers would not take that if i tried to pass the buck to them they'd say nope and bail and do whatever they were gonna do anyway yeah brothers suck i also have brothers and they're terrible and i can say that because they're never gonna listen to this podcast they suck both of my brothers are absolute trash and i say that with 100 percent confidence because they'll never listen to this i'm just kidding one of my brothers is okay the other one should be shot out of a cannon and into a wall <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Linda is offered a pesto colada, uh, which is this 
like radioactive green drink. I would still drink it though. Just gonna be perfectly clear. I would give that a go. So would Linda. I mean, she drinks it. Bob points out to one of those little. Um, if you ever been to like an Italian restaurant, they always have those triangle advertisements on the table. The, the bar has one. One side says Pasta La Vista and has the Terminator on it. So good. And I just want to make this clear. In preparing for this episode on the Bob's Burgers Wikipedia, it says that it is from the original Terminator that came out in 1984, which is incorrect. The Asta La Vista line doesn't happen until until Terminator 2 Judgment Day, which was released in 1991. I felt very proud of myself for knowing that. Very good. The other side is Piano Bar Tuesdays, Oldies with Goodies, Zelda and Frank, which I was wondering if it's potentially a reference to F. Scott Fitzgerald and his wife Zelda. Oh, yeah, maybe. Before Zelda Fitzgerald hit it big and did her solo career. As a what? Singer. Do you know that as a fact? No. Okay. We see Jimmy Jr. come out with his big giant headphones. He's bussing tables. Tina says bussing tables has never looked so sensual. Yeah, I also use headphones at work, but my long, windswept Fabio hair covers them so I can hide it easier. Bob storms up to Pesto and says, What are you doing, Pesto? Selling burgers? Coming after my lease? What are you up to, Jimmy Poplofovich? Uh, and while he's yelling at Jimmy, Linda is in the background drinking that Pesto colada and making the yummiest of sounds. She's like, Mmm. Yeah, I found a pesto colada recipe online. Oh, did you? Yeah. Between seasons, we can give it a try and see how it tastes. I mean, you can try it and see how it tastes. We can bring in a panel of judges. Make a pesto colada off. We can come up with the best recipe. And who can look the best while making it? I mean, that, that I already win. That's true. <laughs> Jimmy makes a comment about Bob and all his fancy ingredients. And he goes, I'm Bob and I like kale. You should call it Snob's Burgers, which I think is pretty good. That got a laugh. Bob's like, anything not frozen or rotten is fancy to you, Jimmy. Kaboom. Jimmy goes, okay, fancy face. Let's see who has customers and who doesn't. This is kind of like, again, where it's interesting. And Mr. Fishoder talks about it at the end of the episode. But there's this strangeness around how people like, and maybe, and this is what I wanted to ask you about. Do you think it's like the consistency that people like about packaged food. I go to McDonald's, right? And I know the fries are always going to taste like those fries because they're cut and processed and bagged and frozen and stored. The only difference is, is are they slightly less salted or how long have they been sitting out? So you're trying to figure out if the pasta is the same every time and that's what people like about it? Well, if that's what people like about it, is that there's always that consistency, whereas like Bob's Burgers, every day he offers a different burger, right? And it's not always fries. Sometimes he offers... Uh, uh, okra as a side. That makes sense. I feel like Jimmy Pesto's says that they're fresh ingredients and then just does stuff from a can. Oh, for sure. 100%. But with pasta, you can't really tell, so... Oh, you can tell between fresh pasta and not. No, no, no. You can tell between fresh pasta and not. I can't. That's true. But you know what I mean? Like, it's the like the difference between, would you rather eat one of the burgers that you make, or would you rather have a quarter pounder with cheese from McDonald's? This isn't a dig at your hamburgers. Yeah. Flavor-wise and fullness-wise, probably a burger that I would make, but also I'm so lazy. And I just want, <laughs> I just want food that I can shove in my friggin... In your gob? Yep. Not think about it. I don't know. I, I just, I'm just, like, curious of that. I mean, obviously, Pesto is a really good restaurateur. He knows how to, like, sell his business. Like, you know, he has music in there. He has delicious drinks. I mean, I think burgers are a bit harder of a sell than pasta because, like, you know, if you and I were going out on a date, like, if it was a first date, like, a pasta place seems better than a burger joint. Or a sushi place. 
I mean, yeah, we did go to a sushi place on our first date. But you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if that's kind of the appeal. Or if you're an oldie, like our good friends Zelda and Frank, you want to go sit in a booth at a hamburger place or you want to go sit in a nice Italian, nice, quotation mark, Italian restaurant. Italian-themed restaurant. (laughs) Italian-themed, yeah. Bob yells at Pesto. You'll never steal my customers with your Besto burger. Cue the bell ringing and Mort and Teddy walking in. E2 Mort. E2 Teddy. Right? Brutal. Backstabbed. Bob is obviously very upset and turns and screams, let's get out of here, to which Linda slowly finishes her drink. Yeah, but she makes up for it by slamming the drink down angrily afterwards. (laughs) It's true. He yells, you're not getting our lease, which cuts to him upstairs in the apartment saying he's going to take our lease. From like strong conviction to absolute dismay. (laughs) Well, maybe that's another point to your Bob and Jimmy requiring each other, their rivalry keeping Bob strong. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs Jimmy around to kind of feel the fire. We hit the family brainstorm of the episode. Gene makes a suggestion of live entertainment featuring a mix of techno and the triangle. Dad's favorite. Which is a callback to the bonding episode, which I think was last episode. Yep. Where you see Bob and Gene playing music and Bob has the triangle and just goes ding. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Tina wants slow dancing for the grind. The grind. And I think this is the first time that we see the very well-known, notorious Tina dance. The one that everyone has as a gift slash gif, depending on who you are and how much you like peanut butter. Ah, I get it. <laughs> Techno Triangle is going to be the name of my next Shadowrun character. Oh, Techno Triangle should be the name of a band. Ooh. We should make that a t-shirt. I am I think I'm going to save my band name for uh, Farting Cadavers. That was yours from last episode. No, mine was Menstruation Nation. Yeah, but you said the Farting Cadavers. Did I? At some point. All right. Well, that's great. I like Farting Cadavers. Speaking of cadavers... Louise says that she was young and naive. She would have suggested arson. But now she's suggesting voodoo. And she has a book. It's good to see that Louise is reading a book. Right? Or at least skimming it. At least skimming it, yeah. Linda makes the helpful suggestion, you know, as Linda tends to do, to make a half-off flyer for tomorrow only. Pretty good idea. Yeah. Although, I mean, like, their burgers are like six bucks. So $3 burgers? I mean, Maybe that's just the burger. And then if you want fries and a drink, it's more. Yeah, but the last burger, the Okra Corral burger, came with okra on the side. That's fair. But I mean, maybe the other burger? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Louise comes back with her book and she is upset. She goes, whose candy ass idea was that? I leave for five seconds. Linda, again, being very positive, encouraging, says, we're on a roll here, guys. What's the next brainstorm? Christmas cards? Do you remember what the suggestions were? I vaguely recall no clothes, and I don't know what the other one was. Naked? Jean says to shave shave heads. Tina says to spell their names wrong. Then Jean says we sh- they should sh- shave their legs so that they're soft and silky, so that they're a soft and silky family. That's I don't remember being naked. That's probably what I was thinking of, soft and silky family. But I was naked. Brainstorming seems fun with this group. My, my, my friends are more brain blast people. I have an idea and we're doing it. The next day, Louise and the kiddos are walking towards school. Louise is into the voodoo book. She has it open. The book is called Hoodoo Voodoo, which I think is delightful. Someone asks, is, does it work? And she goes, it only works on imbeciles and fools. And Tina goes, ooh, me, me. <laughs> 
which I thought was great. And her request is, can you help me dance with Jimmy Jr. into remembering we're going out? I know they have like this kind of off and on thing, but Jimmy Jr. is kind of a dick. A bit, yeah. I wonder where he gets it from. <laughs> Gene says that he wants a gig in the music business. And as they're making these requests, Louise is sn- snipping hair. So she snips, Tina snips off the front of her bangs. That's pretty wild. I've cut my bangs too short and Tina took it a step too far. Gene pulls out this long braid. Big old rat tail. Like he's a fucking Padawan. Jedi in training this whole time? That'd be super cool. And snips it and hang, hands it over. We're in class. It looks like some sort of science class. I don't know where it really would be chemistry where you do a potato battery. I think it's just regular science for elementary school. Yeah, okay. Chemistry seems real high schooly. I don't know. I only did, did the bare minimum amount of science that I needed to do, and then I never took science again. You got into the brain sciences. I got into what is affectionately called a pseudoscience. Because it's not even a real science, baby. It is talk to people until they figure out their problems. And get paid a million bucks for it. Only from the people who can't figure out what to do with their second yacht. <laughs> Louise starts making voodoo dolls out of the potatoes. She needs Jimmy's hair. She's there with Andy and Ollie. Andy just has them in his pocket. He just pulls out this weird clump of hair. <laughs> says to Ollie, and you said I was crazy for carrying this around. For how long? Who are these kids? Who are they? They're like, they're just voodoo they're, prepped. They're just they're just like they're just so weird. Just so weird. And I love them so much. You know, I think it's their voice. Their voices are so cute. Like the Silverman sisters do a really good job at making them very endearing. Mm-hmm. We head back to the restaurant uh, after school. Louise tells uh, Linda that she needs some supplies because Andy and Ollie are helping her with a school project for English. And she requests 15 potatoes, a lock of hair from her mom and dad, rum and a cigar. So very clear voodoo ingredients and then they head off to the basement. Tina and Jean are asked to hand out flyers. We cut to them out on the Wonder Wharf Pier handing out flyers where it looks like they've literally just thrown them up into the air and they're flying around everywhere. Yeah, those flyers sure flyered away. (laughs) They're asked if they handed out all the flyers. They say, yeah, even Jimmy Pesto took one. Jean says, and so did Jimmy One Wing. That's a seagull that I met. That was pretty good. I had a... Had a chuckle of that one. Yeah, it was great. I want a more intense storyline for Jimmy One Wing. I want to see it. I want a bird episode. Make it happen, Lauren Bouchard. We know you're listening. Yeah. (laughs) If you don't, then we will. Yeah. But then we see Jimmy putting up a poster in his window saying that he will honor the flyer, the competitor's flyer, and include a t-shirt. This dude is literally losing money now. Because t-shirts, I mean, I know they're not that expensive to make, but like, they're more than a hamburger. They gotta be. Way more. More than half a hamburger. That's some dirty pool, Jimmy. (laughs) Dirty pool? Yeah. Eight ball in the pocket. Yep. Which means you scrap. Yep. So maybe not that. Snooker. I don't know. Let's move on. <laughs> Pop screams this is war now and she starts playing the theme to Braveheart on the triangle. Which is not the theme to Braveheart, but I mean, God bless Jean. Jimmy Pesto. More like Jimmy Pusto. <laughs> We see Bob in the kitchen. There is this awesome book, which is obviously his book of recipes, which if you're interested in making any of the burgers from Bob's Burgers, there's the Bob's Burgers burger book, burger cookbook, and you can buy it through our Amazon affiliate link, which is linked in the bio of the description of the podcast. You usually say it, so you do it better than me, but I tried. You did a good job. I appreciate that. Good little segue. I should call you Dean Kamen because you're the queen of segues. There you go. I was waiting for you to make that dumb joke because whenever I say <laughs> segues you always bring it up it's usually me who make the segues i wasn't prepared 
I was not prepared. He's there, Dean Kamen, inventor of the Segway. Great, perfect. So there's this book open above the fryer, the grill. Linda's there, and the kids are like, what is he up to? And she tells them that they're making the meat saya, the most difficult burger of all time. It is beef tartare inside a burger medium well inside a burger wellington. It is like the turducken of hamburgers. Sounds like a mid-season tester burger to me. Uh, yeah. Actually, I don't want to eat beef tartare. I don't know what beef tartare is. It's raw beef. Oh, gross. I'll skip the raw part. I didn't know what tartare was. Yeah, beef tartare is basically like chopped up raw meat. Not ground beef, because you can't eat ground beef raw. Mm. Anyways, Tina says, is dad going to die? And Linda says, maybe, honey. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And he's apparently making uh, little tiny versions of the burgers. His plan is to hand them out. To which Tina, again, very smartly says, how are free samples going to get us money? That is in my notes, too. Tina is staying on task. She is on mission. There's no buts to distract her. Bob doesn't really have an answer, except they're going to get a taste and want more. More! Craving, itching to get a fix. And Gene chimes in like heroin. And everybody agrees with him. Yeah. But if time is a ticking, he's going to go to Jimmy Pesto's, hand out all of these free samples, and these people are already mid-dinner, and then they're going to eat a mini hamburger like a slider, and then they're going to want more food? Yeah. It feels not quite thought out. Not quite thought out. But, I mean, Bob would be chucking Hail Mary passes at this point. That's true. I mean, at this point, it's just desperation. That was a good flip, though. was a great flip. Linda is so horny for intense Bob. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got to have loved that one. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't ever do that again. Oh, yeah. He's got to have loved that one. has to perform perfectly to pull it off and whoopsie doodle everyone's gone yeah uh louise is downstairs with ollie and andy performing voodoo and these kids are in their ginch and paint it all up just painted and louise has this cool headdress made out of straws and spoons i think they're getting everything ready for voodoo andy and ollie make one of the best comments is we want to stay here forever and ever we want to be buried here obviously the pestos or pop bitches <laughs> pop bitches that's good that's a good read you jimmy but the poplopoviches don't give andy and ollie the type of attention that louise does right louise is all into their antics and like feeds into it right very facilitating yeah right and so she goes okay i'll bury you when i get back <laughs> why did i write down i wrote down mustache something cancer oh yeah good so yeah louise is going across the street to jimmy's because she still needs jimmy pesto's hair and we see her and jimmy having a conversation she's standing on a stool telling him that she needs his hair to donate to people with mustache cancer and that it is a very real disease and he just needs to shut up and give her the hair it dawns on him she is a belcher and which she just lops off a big chunk of his hair the front of that pompadour is gonzo it stays gonzo for the entire episode. It does. It's pretty great. Jimmy Jr. comes out and says that Frank and Zelda ate the scampi and are now throwing up in the bathroom. That would have been one of my questions. What did Frank and Zelda eat that made them not able to sing? Scampi. Jimmy calls Jimmy Jr. Pepper. Yeah, I don't know about that. That that just kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah, I was really curious about that. I don't know if it was like a nickname or like if that's maybe his real name or middle name. Jimmy Peppo Jr. Pesto? Pepper. Like salt and pepper. What did I say? Peppo. <laughs> <laughs> we 
can roll back and see if you actually said pepper, but it sounded like Peppo. Could have been. Whatever. Mine's better. Listen, Chubsy, it sounded like Peppo. <laughs> Jimmy Jr. and his dad get into an argument. Jimmy offers to slow dance to boys to men. Jimmy Piscimini tells Jimmy Jr. that he can't do that. Jimmy exclaims that it's his passion and that he wants to dance and storms off. So he thinks he can dance. Louise says that she knows someone who can perform. Calls up Gene. Does she call up Gene or does Jimmy Sr. call up Gene? Because in my mind, it sounded like he figured out that Louise was a belcher. And then she gets Jimmy Sr. to call Gene to poach further staff from Bob. I feel like Jimmy found out that Louise was a belcher. And Louise offered up her brother. And then Jimmy called and was like, hey kid, your number's up. Come on over. Come to the dark side. I have a stage. So Jean's gone and Louise is already over there. Then everyone sees that people are dancing to Jean's techno triangle music and Tina wants to go join. So everyone's bailed on Bob again (laughs) because Linda even goes. Linda sees her kids, you know, Jean's performing for the first time. Tina's dancing. She's like, I gotta go support my kids. She's gone. Bob comes up with the burgers and everyone is gone. Jean also makes a great joke. He says his next song is Three Sides Don't Make a Square. That was a good title. I thought that was a great title. Bob takes it upon himself to put on the burger costume. The Bob's Burgers burger costume, which at least to current episode, at least three people have worn now. I saw (laughs) there was a fun, uh, easily missed visual gag in there. When Linda goes to support her kids, she's carrying a plate of food for the one customer that they have. And she puts it down super far away from him. And he's like, he's, he's reaching for it as she's walking away and she sees. And even before that, Tina makes the joke of like, sorry, it's just going to be another minute. We're really slammed back there. And he's the only person in the restaurant. It's <laughs> a good joke. Yeah. That is a good moment. Both of them. Right. And you know what? Maybe this is an indication as to why people don't eat in this restaurant. Because A, it's empty half of the time. And when people are in there, they're distracted and don't actually serve them. <laughs> So Bob shows up in this costume, and he looks absolutely ridiculous. Jimmy asks him if he snapped. Did Mr. Fancy Face take a trip to the sexy store? Which is weird. We do have canon that Jimmy is into diapers. And I guess that maybe the giant burger is kind of like a burger diaper. Except it's a little tight in the pickles. It's a little tight in the pickles. Which I thought was great. So good. And then there's even the comment from Louise, which is, what's he wearing? Uh, Jean says, my buns, with extra buns out the back. But um. And she actually does the drum roll. Look, Dad, I'm playing the drums. Look, Dad, I'm playing the drums. Bob is so upset that everybody's over there. And to be fair, rightfully so. He just spent the last nine episodes supporting everyone else's dreams. I don't know if nine episodes. At least three. She's Cab Bob, yes. He picks up an extra job to help out his kid. Dinner theater, yeah. He supports Linda. Yep. Linda had another dream of being a bed and breakfast person. Yep. And then also to serve spaghetti at the spaghetti and meatball dinner. Yeah. So he's very supportive of his wife. Yep. And sometimes Tina. Yep. Not Jean and Louise. So call that at least five episodes of support. Yeah, okay. Half. 50%. He's 50% helpful. Yep. And 50% angry at people. <laughs> and then everybody bailed on him when he's having a hard time. Yeah. Everyone just bounced. Yep. Bounced. But they're kids, so you can't really blame them that much. And this is a nice moment. Jimmy says, keep your freaky kids locked up. And Bob exclaims, what did you say about my kids? And of course, Linda does it again. Hit him in his handsome groin. And then they start old man fighting. That's where Gene gets it from. Hit him in the crotch. I mean, probably. (laughs) I would not be surprised. Yeah. So an out of shape man fight breaks out and everybody loves it. 
they're just like shoving each other and it's like when two deer get their like antlers kind of tangled and they're just like back and forth back and forth it's almost like they're slow dancing oh. to be perfectly honest and, and that's where jimmy uh, jr gets it from <laughs> at one point louise bites the, the head off the jimmy pesto voodoo potato and says anything anything oh. there's a huge crowd outside watching them mr fish odor arrives and start taking bets he gives uh, a three to one against the burger it was very funny because someone tried to stop them from fighting and you know what he said let them fight let them fight yeah just yeah. like in godzilla <laughs> that's good i actually didn't didn't put those pieces together they have a draw and someone wins big someone wins a whole ten dollars and who is it none of them tina big t big t because she, <laughs> mr fish order says who had them hugging each other at the end and of course it's tina because oh. who else and by hugging, it's basically them just sweatily, tiredly leaning up against each other. They were still trying to punch, just badly. Yeah, yeah. No one, I don't think anyone actually swung a, swung their arms. It was almost like slap fighting. Yeah. I mean, Bob's got like a big padded burger up front. That's true. He does have that uh, extra advantage. Yep. It's like sumo, except bad. <laughs> ha, only 50% sumo. More like boomo. Boomo? Burger they did a bad sumo? Job on it. Oh. Oh, boo. You're tired. It's okay. <laughs> well, it's either I'm tired or that's not funny. <laughs> so they all head over to Bob's Burgers to seal the deal, as it were. <laughs> Mr. Fishoder asks uh, Bob if he cries easily. And I love that you can see Mort and Teddy in the back nodding their head. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, it's very, very good. Mr. Fish order starts his speech and says, we will not be renewing. And he says, what's that smell? I love Mr. Fish order's voice. Ooh, it's that smell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he has a really nice cadence to his talking. And uh, like it's almost like there's a musicality to it. And I like it. Rich and relaxed. That's what that voice is. Just like Kevin Klein. Yeah. He, of course, eats the burger. There, he, they, they, you know, Linda comes out and reveals the little tiny burgers. He expresses some concerns around choking on it, but eats one. They are bite size. They're bite size. Choke resistant. And uh, he goes, "I've never eaten a burger so," and then pretends to choke, which <laughs> I think is kind of a dick move, but fair enough. Do you remember what he calls the hamburger? No. He says it's complicated. Oh. He says it's mystical. He says it's barbaric. <laughs> And he figures out Bob all through this one burger. <laughs> and he says that Bob is the worst tenant and I rent a space to a raccoon sanctuary. So that's where the episode references uh, one of the sight gags at the beginning. And Bob tries to make a comment about that. It's like, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I have a complaint about it. Like, speaking of that, I wanted to. And he's like, up, 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 up. Then Jimmy tries to talk to him, like, tries to interrupt. I love Mr. Fish Odor's reactions to Jimmy. He's like, Jimmy, please, please. And just shuts him down. Shuts him down. And then he makes the realization, like you said, that Bob is not a businessman. He's an artist. He's a beef artist. Beef artist. He's a heterosexual Walt Whitman. And then Jimmy tries to interrupt again. He's like, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy! Jimmy! Shut up! I was going to make It's Always Sunny reference there, but I'm not going to because a lot of people probably don't know it. What is it? The McPoyles. And they're like, after uh, Mac has sex with one of them, or Dennis has sex with them, and they're like, uh, I'm not going to call her. And the McPoyle goes, you will call her! So if you're a fan of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, listen to our episodes. Or also watch the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast. It's great. You don't advertise another podcast on your podcast? It's a really good podcast. Uh. I'm really enjoying it. Mr. Fishoder agrees to them keep the building. It's going to be a month-to-month lease, and he has to raise the rent a little bit. I don't know why. They already pay late, my dude. Really, what are you expecting? It feels like 
that's semi pushing them out, made easier to push them out later. Yeah, maybe, maybe yeah, maybe he's a chess man. Maybe he's strategically plotting all the the moves before he actually slides the pieces across the board. But what he's not taking into account is voodoo. <laughs> Andy and Ollie come upstairs, it's still painted, uh, wearing their underwear. And Jimmy's like, what are you guys doing here? It's like, we're doing voodoo. And we switched our underpants. You weren't supposed to tell about that. That's a secret. Like, I, I tried, but I couldn't keep it in any longer. Like, just these, these like, just weird kids. Like, they're so cute. And uh, Bob laughs and goes, you thought my kids were freaky? Bob then asks Gene, like, they're all going to enjoy the meat saya uh, bite-sized burgers. Bob says, Gene, hit it. Jean goes, you believe in me. A ding, a ding, a ding, ding, ding. And it's like the most jazzy triangle outro ever. And Jimmy and uh, Tina start dancing. Actually, Jimmy Sr. tries to get Jimmy to leave, but Jimmy sees Tina dancing and decides to dance with her. What does he call her? Tracy! (laughs) He's like, no, I'm going to stay here with Tracy. She's like, Tina. Whatever. Yeah, poor Jimmy Jimmy Jr. And by poor, I mean you suck. Poor Tina. Poor Tina Belcher. Yeah. And that's the episode. I liked it. I was I was up for a Bob V someone episode. They kind of had deviated around that after the first. You recovered from your Bob burnout? Yeah, it, we were due for a Bob episode. And there's yeah. so much psych gags and there's so much nonsense. That was so funny. What was your favorite? What was your favorite? Peering through the spaghetti. <laughs> almost like you know in uh those like grass outfits that you you wear in war to like hide yourself yep ghillie suits yep it's <laughs> like a spaghetti ghillie suit oh yeah not would, would not feel not feel good but um yeah that one's really good honestly like andy and all in the basement like in their ginch all painted up doing voodoo is my favorite part of the whole episode we want to be buried here <laughs> we want to be we want to stay here forever. We want to be buried here. And then Louise just saying, I'll bury you when I get back. So what do you say we move on to some trivia? Robot voice. Oh, you know what that sound means. It is time for trivia. Anybody who's been listening to us since the beginning knows that we have an ongoing trivia challenge that Kim is destroying me on. Kim, you are at 29 and one-fourth points. <laughs> I still can't believe you gave me a quarter point. I mean, I'm going to take it. And I am on 17.5. I'm not destroying you. I'm not beating you by more than double. You're beating me by 12 points. That is two full episodes of points. And there's only four episodes left after this one. Oh, in the season? Yep. You but... would have to get zero points in the next two episodes for me to have a shot at winning. I mean, that's not going to happen. We'll see. Uh-huh. The questions have ascending difficulty. Question one is worth one point. Question two is worth two points. Question three is worth a big old three points. That is correct. Thanks for confirming that. I appreciate it. Up top. Gotta love that validation. <clears throat> uh, I also have a bonus question. Oh, no. <laughs> chance to get an extra point why is that bad it's also a chance for ultimate embarrassment when i get zero points on these yeah that's true i have only watched this episode three times listen chubsy the last one i watched seven times that's wild i mean i really like this show but that is so many times you ready i am ready question numero one what movie theme song does gene play with his triangle uh that would be braveheart that's correct you get one point yeah Yay! I'm on the board. Number two. Mr. Fish Odor may be one cat away from being a supervillain, but what are his four other character traits? 
He is eccentric. Yep. He drives a golf cart around. Yeah. He has a white suit. Yep. And an eye patch. Yep, that is correct. You're three for three. Yes. Numero trois. I actually only know two languages and then some Spanish. That's pretty good. Mostly counting. Ah. And taco. Question three. There are four answers. Already? I need all four. Louise, Andy, and Ollie are working on a school project for English. What are the four ingredients that Louise asks Linda for? Cigars. That is correct. Whiskey? That is not correct. Potatoes. How many? Four. Okay, I'll give you potatoes, I guess. Neat. <laughs> Cigars, correct. Whiskey, not correct. Potatoes, half correct. So right now you're sitting at maybe a one and a half. I'll see if you can get the other two. I don't know. I've, I've lost it. All right, she needs 15 potatoes. Wow. Specifically asked for 15. She asks for a lock of Bob and Linda's hair, uh-huh. which I counted as one ingredient. Okay. She asks for cigars, like you mentioned, and rum. Rum. I should have just said alcohol. I wouldn't have given it to you. Uh. I would have asked specifically what alcohol. Just like I asked you, how many potatoes? So I'm going to give you one and a half. I'll give you one and a half. One and a half, so I'm sitting at 7.5 points? No, because it's a total of six points. <laughs> Dorcas Malorcas. You said I was six for six a minute ago. It's out of six points. So you're at four and a half points. You got the first two right, which yep. is three points, and then you got half of this one right, so another 1.5. All right, I'll take it. What do you think I'm going to give you seven and a half points for nothing? You didn't even answer the question right. I almost got you, though. No, you didn't. Look, I'm really bad at math. I'm not that bad at math. All right, are you ready for the bonus question? Yes. Can you tell me which brother is Ollie and which brother is Andy? Andy is yellow shirt. Ollie is blue shirt. That is not correct. Oh. It's the other way around. Andy wears a cyan colored shirt and Ollie wears a golden green shirt. Golden green? That is full on blue. That's what they... No, cyan is the blue shirt. Oh. The other one is like a goldy green color. That's what the... Yellow. Like, it's what the Wikipedia says. Uh, All right. Four and a half points isn't bad for you. Wow. <laughs> to the burger of the day. Burger. <laughs> you're, so, you're so upset with yourself. I should have known it. Yeah. I make a very clear mm. attempt to separate the questions throughout the episode. I was going to ask you what the name of the po- uh, of karaoke was on the poster. Uh, yoki the Italian karaoke. But I figured that was too easy because you really like puns. That was going to be another, was like, what are all the puns in the episode? So there's Besto Burger, there's Pasta La Vista, um, there's Oldies But Good. Oldies with goodies. Oldies with goodies, yeah. Oh no, goodies with oldies. It's a punt play on oldies, the oldies. Yeah. And then there's another one. The pesto colada. Pesto colada, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna let you give me some of the puns, but you like puns, so I didn't want to make it too easy. That's fair. Yeah, man. It's not about making it fair. It's about winning. Wow. If that's the case, then it's gonna get unfair in a minute. You say that every two weeks, and I always still win, so. So I guess I just have to continue ramping up the difficulty till I stump you, and that's where I'm gonna sit at. Yeah, the only way you're gonna do that is if you're like, how many buns does Jimmy Pesto have on his vest? Buns? Or buttons? Buttons. I heard buns. You're like none? Yeah, buns. And three, probably. Yeah, I think it's three. It's a vest. Vest usually has three. Okay, burger of the day! Burger of the day. Burger of the day. 
So this is the burger of the day. Anybody who's been with us from the beginning also knows that we test the burger of the day in every episode and see how good they are. All of our burgers come from the Bob's Burgers Burger Book. You can check out our link in our description for the podcast if you want to get one for yourself and try the burgers with us. Each burger we evaluate on a 20-point scale, four categories, five points apiece. The categories are savoriness, which in Japanese is umami, the... Mouthfeel of the burger, emotional resonance, and reeatability. This burger was Hit me with your best shallots. Fire away. Yes, that was it. The way I made this one, I started with the basic patty, breadcrumbs, ground beef, egg, garlic powder, pressed them into patties with my brand new patty presser. Thank you, Kim. You're welcome. And I had to cook shallots for the first time in my life. And I am not normally affected by onions at all. Like I will dice up onions all day and not shed a single tear. But those shallots, they got me going. They made you cry a shallot? A whole shallot. Okay, yeah. So I needed to cut up some shallots, which was boiled water in a bowl with 10 shallots in it so that they would soften up so I could cut the peels off and dice them into slivers. After that, I put them in a frying pan with butter and a splash of red wine vinegar, as well as some rosemary and thyme. And once the shallots were all browned up, I used those shallots as toppings and the juices uh, on the second flip of the burgers. Burgers went in for 400 degrees at 10 minutes, and then on the flip, 400 degrees, 10 minutes, with some of the juices from the cooked up shallots on it. And for the burger itself, from top to bottom, it was bun, chevrolet cheese, shallots, burger, arugula spinach more bun arugula a lettuce maybe pretty sure it's arugula lettuce but i could be wrong well if any of our listeners want to let us know please email us at ultimate tabletop network at gmail.com have we gotten a single email no (laughs) good keep it that way (laughs) we don't want your stinking emails i'm just kidding please email us please love us (laughs) kim for the first category of umami how savory was this burger out of five gonna give it a three only a three yes i like the shallots i like them shallot they oh. i like that they were like i don't know they were cooked real good i'm not usually an onion kind of gal but i dug them i like the goat cheese or the chevre cheese it felt like something was missing it was a very pretty dry burger i didn't find it dry i found it like lacking flavor yeah, three sounds pretty good to me as well. At least the patty was cooked really well. Okay, so mm. three and three. Three and three, yep. Yeah. Uh, I did like the goat cheese on it. Yeah, it's good. I'm getting fond of that cheese because I think the second time we've had it on a burger now. Every chevrolet which way it loose. Yeah. And for the second category of mouthfeel, I felt it was pretty good. I didn't much care about the arugula, but the rest of it felt pretty all right. Yeah. <laughs> this was a pretty all right burger so far. I'm going to give it a mouthfeel of two. It was two mushy it was like soft it was like almost like eating baby food like the creamy cheese was really soft the onions were cooked to be like really soft the bun was soft and i found the hamburger to be very mushy also by soft do you mean fresh for the buns no like i wish they'd been toasted or something like it needed a it needed a texture and the arugula definitely did not save it i mean it's not even a very crispy lettuce or spinach Whatever it is. Whatever Email us. Green bullshit. <laughs> Whatever green bullshit it is. I was not a fan of the mouthfeel overall. Okay. I, I bet it's because I added some of the juices to the patty when I did the flip, so it didn't quite crisp up the way you normally like. Maybe. I really like a burger to be juicy and crispy, really packing a punch. And the next one is emotional resonance. Did you get any emotional resonance off this burger? Um, 
I was going to give it a middle ground. It was kind of neutral. It has increased my likingness of the chevre, and I didn't mind the shallots. I found this one annoying to make because the shallots took a long time, and it was extra steps that I was really dragging my feet on. They took a shallot of time. Yeah, but I'm going to throw it a nice two. I was annoyed, but not angry at this burger. And the last one is, of course, reeatability. And I think I'm going to give this one a four. I would eat this one again and probably make it again. I'll probably make it better, but I'll probably make it again. Uh, I'm going to give it a three. I'll, like, I'm just going to give it middle ground. Like you said, it's kind of an, it was an okay burger. I wouldn't throw it out of a window, but it wouldn't be like my first one to ever eat again. That's fair. For our total scores, I am sitting at a red hot 12 for me. What's yours? I'm at an 11. As far as the middle of the line burger, a ding, 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 it's a winner. <laughs> it wins the most medium burger award. Medium rare burger. Oh. Thank you for listening to License to Grill, brought to you by the Ultimate Tabletop Network. Don't forget to return next week for Season 1, Episode 11. Weekend at Mort's. Weekend at Mort's? Yeah, it's a play on Weekend at Bernie's. Weekend at Mort's. He's not a dead corpse, but he has them in the crematorium. If you want to cook up some burgers of the day for yourself, please check our link in the podcast description and also check out our Linktree and merch store. Get yourself a Bun Buddy shirt and send us a picture of you in a Bun Buddy shirt because that will be rad. Good night, all my Bun Buddies. Bye. Bye. That's all, folks.